the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City. My name is Chuck Olmstead. I'm the director of local ministries here at KGNW in Seattle, and we appreciate you joining us today. Heart of the City is a program about uh, stories, about uh, people here in the Seattle area who have come to know Jesus, and uh, we talk about the faithfulness of God in their lives. Uh, my, the, the key verse for my life, what we call a life verse, is from Psalm 37, verse 3, where it says, "'Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness.'" And for me, when I hear stories of, of believers in Jesus, I, I hear the unique way that God reaches to them in, in, in different walks of life and, uh, and is faithful in his promise towards them. And with me today is a, a pastor from uh, the Word of Life Bible Fellowship in Tacoma, Elder uh, Michael Fields. And uh, we're going to talk about how God worked in his life in a miraculous way to 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 bring him to himself and to uh and to become faithful in his life. Uh Elder Fields, welcome this morning. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, well, we uh we uh are recording early in the morning. You've uh you've uh, just uh, gotten off work actually. Absolutely, yes. For you, you're a you're a firefighter here in the Seattle area. Yes, I am. I work for the city of Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, how long have you been uh, a firefighter? 28 years thus far. That's uh, December. It'll be 29 years. 29 years. Yeah. So, uh, so is your? Uh, are you? You drive drive the fire truck? Are you a uh, management? What do you do? Actually, I drive the fire truck. So, oh wow! If, if you see me driving the fire truck, you know, down in the south end of Seattle, if you kind of see somebody there, and uh, you recognize what my what I look like, probably haven't seen me before. But if you ever saw me before and you recognize me, I'll just wave. I'll wave back at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably. Every little boy's dream is to drive a fire truck. So you're you're living the dream for somebody. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, we always like on this program to kind of go back and and uh, and allow people to tell their story. And uh, I love to hear the stories of 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 how there was a progression in someone's life of how. Uh, you know what they what they were like when they were a young person, and then how what the Lord did in their in their early years, sure. and and uh, just kind of learn that story. So I'd love for you to go back. Uh, were you originally from this area? Um, I was actually born down in in the South. I was born in Georgia, uh, but my parents, uh, my my dad was in the military, and so we traveled quite a bit. And he was stationed at Fort Lewis at the time. Um, and so we came here, we stayed here, and, you know, my parents liked the area. Um, they wanted to get us out of the South, uh, away from a lot of the things that were taking place at that time. This is back, I was, I was born in the 60s, so it was back at that time. 
And so they wanted to get us away from a lot of those things, so they decided to move us cross-country. So because my parents are originally from Mississippi, Mm. And so they moved us cross country away from family and friends to kind of give us a help, give us a new start, if you will. Yeah. Kind of give us an opportunity to kind of be away from all of those things that were going on at that particular time, you know, yeah. in the city, in well, the culture. In the culture and, and a lot of racial strife at those sure, at that time. Absolutely. And, yeah. and people uh, were, were wanting to, to move away from that and just get away from sure. some of the, yeah. the struggles that were going on at that time. Absolutely. So understandable. Yeah. So how old were you then when, you, when your parents moved you across country? When I, I was probably around three, three years uh-huh. old. So for the better part of my life, I've been up here in the Pacific Northwest. So this is kind of the majority of what I know. You know we've traveled back you know, visiting family and friends back in the South uh, periodically. Uh-huh. But for the most part, I've been up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So were your parents, uh, did they, were there church-going people? Did they have any kind of sense of uh, spiritual life or walk, or were they just uh, uh, living life and trying to grow their family? Well, my mother has always been uh, active in the church, you know, even up into her latter years. She's still a living, um, but her latter years, she's always been active in the church. My dad uh, did not come to the Lord. He came to the Lord actually uh, just after I did. So wow. he came to the Lord just after I did. So he was, you know, well advanced in his years. Um, but the Lord got a hold of his heart, you know, and draw him, drew him to him. So he, he got saved and really committed his life to the Lord, actually became a deacon in the church mm-hmm. um, before he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. So so were you in the like the, the Tacoma School District or where where were you going to school? In Tacoma the, School District, yeah. Uh-huh. Tacoma graduated from Lincoln High School, you know, go Abes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> graduated from Lincoln High School and uh, pretty much was in the Tacoma School District, you know, from elementary all the way through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was life like for you there? That would have been probably then the early 70s, yeah. uh, 80s, uh, yeah. or, or mid-70s. Yeah. Uh, you know, were you in sports? Were you were you active in school? How, how what was going on? With active you? in sports, you know. Active, you know, in school, you know, kind of hanging out and everything else. Um, got involved in a lot of things that probably a young person at that time didn't need to be involved in. You know, um, participated in things that you know probably. If the Lord wouldn't have brought me out of it, um, would not have been very good for my life. If you, yeah. I'll say it that way. <laughs> you know, of course, of course. Yeah. So, what was that? What What was beginning to happen in your life uh, that that started to draw you towards the Lord? What What were the circumstances? The I, you know I, I was in, I've always been in the church. My mother you know raised us in the church, so I cannot remember a time. I tell people at the church I serve, I can't remember a time where I haven't been involved in the church in some way. Um, but in those earlier years, you know, I was going out and doing things on the weekend and then going to the church on Sunday and just kind of being there, you know, uh-huh. just being present. Uh-huh. And, um, but I think the thing that really the Lord began to use in my life was two events, actually. One event was, you know, I'd gone out, you know, the night before, but then came home and it was early Sunday morning and I heard something outside my window. And, you know, I didn't quite recognize what it was. And I went outside to see what it was. It was actually a child kind of in the bushes, uh, uh, you know, very little clothing on, just just there in the bushes. And I was like, okay, who are you? What are you doing? And come to find out, you know, the child had been out there all night. Mm. Um, I guess there was some abusive issues going on at that person, at the child's house. And so 
they were there. They were in the bushes. I went and told my mom about it. Um, she went out, brought the child in. You know, we called the authorities and everything else, but I saw my mother caring for this child, you know. And for some reason, the Lord began to use that incident. He just began to use that to kind of speak to me, saying, there are people out there like this. Mm. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are going through. Um, there are people that are suffering. Um, and the Lord began to kind of just kind of crack the shell, if you will, to kind of get my attention. Um, but then the second event that happened that I think the Lord really used as a catalyst to get my attention was that uh, I have a best friend. You know, he was my best friend at the time. His uh, younger daughter, which we all grew up together, we were very close. His 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 sister, I should say, his younger sister, um, she was a state class track athlete. I mean, she was, you know, that level. She was very good. She would have gotten a scholarship to a very big college, and she was doing very well. She died of a heart condition, mm. Uncon- undiagnosed heart condition. She just died. Um, and the Lord began to really use that to get my attention because it was through that event that the group that I was with, there was four of us primarily that we kind of hung out together. Um, of those four, three of them got saved within a year's time. I was the last one. I was mm. the, the holdout. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord began to use that incident. And that, that, that incident that happened with the, the passing of my friend, that the Lord kind of used that to draw all three of them. Um, I was the kind of last one, the mm-hmm. holdout. Mm-hmm. Um, they invited me to a revival that night. Or I should say, you know, time went on and a revival was taking place at the church that they were attending. And so they invited me to go to a revival. I was on my way to the club. You know, it was a weekend, and mm-hmm. so it was a Friday night. And so I was like, well, okay, you know, I'm going to the club. And they said, well, won't you come to church before you go to the club? And I said, all right, you know what, I'll do that. So I had it all planned out. I was going to go to the church, be there for a little bit, then go to the club and do what I normally had been doing at that time. Um, and there was a revivalist at the church that night, uh, 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 a missionary from down south. And so after she got done speaking— you know, the Lord just impressed upon her. She looked out in the crowd, and she said, anybody that wants prayer, you know, to receive the Lord, come on up. So everybody stood, and people that wanted to receive the Lord came forward at that time. Um, then she just looked out in the crowd and pointed me out and says, do you want to be saved? Okay. She just pointed at me and said, do you want to be saved? And at that point, it was as if the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he just said, okay, listen, your friends are going to be with me. If you go out tonight and you die tonight— you will, you will be, we will be forever separated. You'll be separated from them, and you'll be separated from me forever. So this is your time. This is that moment. And I tell people, it felt like the weight of a million bricks was just on my shoulders at that time. I just felt the weight of all my sin, uh-huh. the weight of all that I had been involved in, the weight of all that I had been doing. I just felt that weight. And she just was looking at me and said, do you want to be saved? And I looked at her and said, yeah, I do. She said, come on. And it was as if... I started to move out the aisle to go forward, and with every step, it just felt like the weights, they were there, but as I stepped forward, they just got heavier. <laughs> it, just, uh-huh. it just got heavier. It's like, okay, I'm having to really struggle to get up here. But the Lord just kind of kept impressing upon me, make your way, just keep coming, just make your way up here. So I got up to the altar where she was. She said, raise your hands up. So it's, you know, she struggled to raise your hands up. And she just said, you know, repeat after me. She prayed for me. She asked me to pray with her. I prayed with her. But as I fully began to say yes to the Lord, to what he was calling me to, 
um, the weight began to lift. It just lifted off of me. And I found myself able to lift my hands even more. So finally, I was able to, to fully, ex- physically, physically lift- fully extend them wow. in surrender to the Lord. Um, and that was 33 years ago. That happened back in 1984. Actually, yeah, 33, is it 2016? Coming up on 33, 34 years, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Interesting that there, you know, uh, Elder Fields, um, uh, we're speaking with uh, uh, Elder Michael Fields with uh, the Word of Life Bible Fellowship out of Tacoma as he shares his story. You know, uh, there's a... Various philosophies in churches uh, about how, how congregations should respond. Sure, um, you know it's whether churches have altar calls anymore, yes. And, yes. and what's you know kind of the contemporary view of you know the evangelism should should be uh, should not we shouldn't be uh, having kind of scare tactics or sure. that sort of thing. And and I certainly can respect some of those viewpoints, but having grown up in a in a church very similar to what you experienced. Yes. I I continually see the value of having that physical expression Absolutely. publicly yes. to, to, to walk down an aisle and be at an altar. Yes. I realize people can get saved in many, many different ways. Oh yes, obviously. absolutely, absolutely. But but I I'm I feel badly for those churches that don't give the opportunity for people to go down and give a public expression. Absolutely, and, and that happened for you. And there was a uh, that physical act was part of a spiritual awakening that occurred in your life and a spiritual change. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it it definitely made a significant impact upon me. You know that that whole that whole process of. Going down, you know, feeling feeling that the 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 opposition, if you will, mm-hmm. that the enemy was bringing against me to keep me from going. It would have been really easy to kind of turn around and say, "Well, no, I'm not going to do this. It, you know, not for me, not today. I'll do it later." Yeah. Whatever the case is, um, but that whole process of going through that, the Lord has used that in my life to help me minister to different people in different settings that go through the same thing or something very similar. And I agree with you. I think that it's of, of utmost value. It's, it's a significant value to have a person make a public declaration of your commitment of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we're not, I, don't, I don't ever try to do it in a way that, you know, puts a person on the spot right. or puts them out there, you know, hey, everybody look at this person. Right. No, I, I, Although that kind of happened to you. I mean, well, yeah, but I, absolutely the, whole, the Holy Spirit impressed on that, yeah. on that path, on that women, woman evangelist at yeah. that time to say to you directly, I'm sure the Lord spoke to her and said, that young man needs to be saved. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so she, she just looked at you in the eye and yeah. said, do you want to be saved? Yeah. yeah. That, that's what I needed. I needed that. And everybody else, you know, they need different things. And I agree with you, you know, some of the contemporary techniques that people are using for evangelism and everything else. But again, I agree with you that the whole issue of a person making a public profession of faith, making, uh-huh. letting it be known, because you're going to have to make it known in the culture. Yeah. In one way or the other, you're going to have to make your stance for Jesus Christ known in the culture. Um, and so this is a way in which to get that, get that experience out of the way. It's, it's, you're taking a public stand for Jesus Christ so that when you go back to the schools or when you go to your jobs or when you go back to your home and you want to let people know, uh, one of the things that the evangelist said to me after I had committed my life to the Lord, um, she said, okay, now what you need to do is you need to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Tell somebody that you've accepted Jesus. Tell somebody that you gave your life to the Lord. 
So that night passed, and then the next morning, um, you know, I woke up and I said, okay, I'm still remembering what the experience, I'm still remembering what she said. So she said, you need to tell somebody. So I walked out and asked my mom to come into the living room. She said, you know, what's going on? I said, well, I gave my life to the Lord. And she just kind of smiled and kind of teared up a little bit and said, oh, I've been praying for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I was I've just going to say, Mama was praying probably your <laughs> yeah. whole life. Oh, she yeah. was praying she, for she that. She was praying my whole life, continues to pray for me. She said, uh-huh. well, I've been praying for you, uh-huh. and I'm so glad to hear that you did. Yeah. yeah. So. And how old were you at that time? I was 21. 21. So you were out of high school. Oh, yeah, I was out of high school. I was, I was uh, again, involved in some things that probably I didn't need to be involved in yeah. and getting deeper involved, uh-huh. uh, getting deeper involved in some things, you know, being exposed to some things that I could see now looking hindsight. I can see that the Lord was saying, okay, I need to get a hold of this guy because if he gets involved in that, he's really going to go away. He's going to go far down a road that I don't want him going down. Yeah, so yeah. it was at that at that juncture in my life where I could have gone this direction or that direction. The Lord kind of said, well, I want you to go in this direction. So that was it. Yeah. yeah. So 21 years old, what changed in your life after you received the Lord? What, what, what in your heart and then, sure. and then in your activities? Yeah. I mean, I'm sh- uh, how many more times did you go back to the club? At zero. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> zero. Did you want to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt, I felt, you know, other friends that I had were going and doing right. things. And, you know, you feel the, the, you know, that little pull to kind of go, but no, haven't been back since. Yeah. And, but you, you knew it was, it was, time to make that break. Knew it was time to make that break, you know, hung up my dancing shoes and <laughs> dance for the Lord now, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was uh, heavily involved in alcohol and drugs prior to coming to the Lord. Um, since that time, haven't had a drink, haven't had a drug, had none of it. Wow. You know, so yeah, just totally... Cold turkey. I everything. mean, just, just when you came to the Lord, it stopped. When the Lord saved me, he delivered me out of all that. And and that's why I tell people, you know, we, we go up to the various correctional facilities and minister. Um, and I tell people that the Lord is able. He's able to do it. Um, there are people at the church that I serve same, have a very similar testimony. And they struggled and struggled and struggled until they got to a place where they finally said, Lord, I surrender. I give this, I'm giving this up. I, I surrender it to you. If, if it's your will, take it from me. What, however you want to bring me out of it, you, let your will be done. When they fully surrendered it, Lord took it. Interesting. Or took it away. Yeah. 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 So that that was my experience is that when I came, I just surrendered completely. Yeah. You know, there's been that pull and the tug and everything else, but I've never gone back to it. Yeah. 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 So I'm trying to do the math. So you're 21. And um, so vocationally, mm-hmm. uh wasn't that much longer than you started working in the fire department. No. I, I Actually, I was 21 when I gave my life to the Lord. I started working for the fire department at 24. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it was a, I was working as a, a respiratory therapist prior to that. Uh-huh. And so there was a guy at, at, the, at the job that I had at the time. He was testing for the fire department. You know, and I was coming in. I was working the evening shift. So we'd come in after our rounds, treating the patients. We'd come in. And I saw him reading a book, so I just happened to ask him, you know, you know, what are you reading? He said, well, I'm studying for the, the test, fire, fire exam. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, oh, okay. So he kind of let me know about what, what was involved in the testing and everything else. So I kind of prayed about it and went and took a test and got hired. Wow. Yeah. 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 So let's just, let's just move forward then because 
you're now a, a pastor, elder at at a at a congregation, and you're you're preaching. So let's let's move forward. And and when did the Lord call you to begin to to take leadership in a church? Well, I was serving um, in leadership at another church that I was a member of at the time um, that when I got saved at. So I was there, you know, for ten years after I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but then there came a time where the Lord was kind of, you know, things happened within that congregation, um, and the Lord kind of was impressing upon me uh, that I needed to uh, start a ministry. Of, he wanted me to start a ministry of my own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, serve him in that capacity as a pastor. So I initially let the senior pastor of that church know, you know, two years in advance that, you know, I'm going to be leaving, so give time for people to kind of take on my responsibilities, kind of transition out. Um, but then during that two-year period of time, as I said, things began to happen. So when that time came, it was clear that the Lord wanted me to kind of separate and go, you know, in a different direction. Yeah, and how long ago was that? That happened, it, it, you know, it happened the same year that my youngest daughter was born, and she's 23, so 23 years ago. Wow, yeah. wow. So all this time, and I'd love for you to address this, because a lot of times people, you know, when the Lord calls you, uh, there are folks who don't understand uh, those that are in bivocational ministry. Yes. Who have a full-time position like you do in the fire department. Yes. But are still pastoring a church. Mm-hmm. They they somehow think that a, that a pastor needs to be full-time into a church, yeah. and but you have split responsibilities. How does that work? Uh, strategically. <laughs> uh-huh. You have to be very strategic and very purposeful. Um, you know, you you try to realize that, you know, with the job that I have with the fire department, it does require a lot of time and training and, you know, focus. You know, you got to be intentional with that. But also, as as many of your listeners know, you know, pastoring a church, it takes a lot of time and attention and focus also. And so, you know, the Lord is blessed. I have a wonderful wife who helps me out tremendously in this mm-hmm. regard. Um, she supports me and, and, and gives me kind of the flexibility, if you will. Um, realizing that I have two responsibilities that are going to take time and, and attention, but still focus time and attention with her, trying to be you know intentional with my marriage also. So it, it, it's it's not an easy thing. You know, I understand those individuals who feel that you know pastoring should be a full time thing, and that's all you should focus on. But you know, at this particular time in our ministry that we have at Word of Life, um, that's that's not a possibility financially. We're not in that place yet. Yeah, and so um, I work a job to work my other job, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, the Lord's called you to Absolutely. to both of those situations. Absolutely. And, and the thing I think the key that I hear throughout in that is that your wife's on board. Very much so. Yeah, and if very that much and so. if that wasn't the case, that it wouldn't be happening. No, it would not be happening. <laughs> yeah, if, if my wife wasn't a, an integral part of helping me to accomplish both of these things, um, it would not be happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pastor, uh, I'd love for us to kind of wrap up this by by you just uh, encouraging our listeners as you've shared your life story about how the Lord's brought you out of of. Um, drugs and alcohol and just kind of the party scene many mm-hmm. years ago, and you've seen what he's done in your life, I'd, I'd love for you to just to encourage those that are listening today. Some may be driving to church or driving in their car somewhere or they're listening at home, and uh, encourage them. Let's just take a minute and just encourage them uh, in the Word today and just uh, 
Uh, what would the Lord have you say to our listeners this morning? Well, I think that, you know, as I, as I tried to share, you know, my story is, and everybody's story is unique to them. Everybody's story is unique to them. Um, but there may be some of your listeners on today that, you know, some of the aspects of my story is very similar to their own. Um, and they may, may even be in a place right now where they're still kind of struggling with some things. They're struggling with some issues going on in their life. Um, the thing that I just kind of sensed the Lord impressing upon me is that the whole aspect of, for me, it really began to change when I fully surrendered it, I, mm. when I fully gave it up to the Lord. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm yielding this to you. I'm giving this to you. So just kind of really do what you want to do in my life. And so that's, I, I, if I could encourage your listeners in any kind of way, you know, real victory begins through surrender. Real triumph happens when we fully say yes to the Lord and to his will for our lives. And so I would encourage your listeners to really just kind of keep that in their minds that, you know, the true deliverance that you're looking for is going to happen when you fully surrender and say yes to the Lord. Amen. Great word. Elder Michael Fields, the Word of Life Bible Fellowship. Uh, you can hear Word of Life on KGNW every Sunday. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.